Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zwei Group team looks forward to welcoming you. You're listening to a special edition Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting guru Mark Zweig and his team of experts straight talk in your ear. Mark has more than 30 years of experience helping AEP and environmental firms thrive, and these podcasts deliver his invaluable management, industry, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter and the Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop professionally wherever you are. Hey, everyone, and thank you for joining Zweig Group Media and the Zweig Letter exclusive interview series. With almost 25 years of continuous coverage of the design industry, the Zweig Letter is a constant in an ever-changing marketplace. We are bringing you some of the best and brightest minds that our industry has to offer. Today, I am pleased to welcome Tony Mershandani, CEO of RTM and Associates based in South Barrington, Illinois. Tony, it's great to have you join us on this Wide Letter interview series. Why don't you tell the audience something very unique about your firm that is not proprietary information, but may not be common knowledge about RTM and Associates? I'd say one very unique aspect of our firm is we are a truly diversified firm geographically and the team members that we have. There is a core culture that you would be able to see throughout all of our team members, and it's not something you'd ever be able to identify if you weren't working within one of our offices. All right. So, and, and again, I think, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, um, just about some of the changes that have taken place uh, at RTM recently, which is the reason why your name is different than what it was not too long ago in the in the in the not too distant mm-hmm. past. Uh, first, though, I want to want to congratulate RTM and Associates for receiving a Hot Firm Award and a Best Firm to Work for Award at our annual Hot Firm event in Phoenix this past September. That is a tremendous achievement for your firm. Um, you know, Tony, tell me a little bit about what these awards have done for the morale of your organization, and how do you? Uh, as the CEO and leader of this organization, plan to propel that energy and achievement into 2017. Absolutely. The, uh, we're very proud of being able to receive both of these awards. And the Hot Firm Award really just reaffirms the fact that our strategy is working and the way that we're growing and designing the internal guts of our company. It's um, it's it's nice to be able to receive that from the outside, showing that the strategy works. But what we're really proud of is the best places to work because we're firm believers in the fact that if you build an organization where people are really excited to come to work and you give them the opportunity to decide what they want to do within the organization, it's something that they're truly passionate about, the kind of, the kind of day-to-day work that they would do even if they didn't get paid for it. And getting a paycheck for it makes it that much more exciting. Um, 
creating that culture and having the type of environment where people are just passionate to come work with the people they're working with, the clients, the type of work. Um, that's what we're really, really excited about. And that's that's the core of the entire company. Everything we have would fall apart without that basic um love to come to work and work with the people that they're uh, working with day to day. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think it's important to, um, uh, to recognize that, that in the design industry, things are changing. I mean, we've got, we've got a younger workforce. We've got this quote unquote millennial generation that um, is, is moving into a place of leadership is moving into a place um, in the design industry that they've never been in before and their expectations and what they hope to achieve in, in, in not just in a work environment, but just in an overall um, uh, work um just what they plan to do throughout the life of, of their, um, you know, being an engineer or an architect is, is, is much different than the way things were in the past. And I don't know your age, but, you know, I've, I've been involved with this, this industry for, you know, the good part of, of three dec almost three decades of, of time. And I've seen a distinct difference between the early nineties and where we are right now. So it's interesting to hear you talk about that and, and how, much of the forefront is that for you in terms of the way that you are operating your firm? It would probably be categorized as one of the largest components of our current and future success. In all honesty, we're, we're lucky because uh, 10 years ago, we started out as a very small firm, so we didn't have the infrastructure built that was designed for the um, traditional AE consulting industry. So as we've been growing over the last decade, we've been able to reorganize the way the firm works and really cater it towards the millennials. And their motivations are extremely different than um, mine or more so even what's gone on in the industry historically. Historically, a lot of people would describe themselves as a engineer architect with 5, 10, 20, 30-year experience. And based on that comment, you'd be able to have a certain expectation for what they've seen, what they're able to do. The millennials, that doesn't fit into their wheelhouse anymore. What they want to be able to do is pick and choose the speed of their career development and the flexibility that they have and not necessarily wait in line, which is very traditional for us to be able to either move up the ladder or get the different opportunities and pay their dues. Um, so as we've grown, We've really not followed the traditional uh, organizational structure that we've seen um, that even we had in the past. And honestly, it's just dumb luck. I could wish I could say it was genius planning, but the timing worked out beautifully that we had, uh, you know, um, a handful of really senior, well-experienced engineers that happened to love mentoring. And we, uh, the, the millennials, one of the beautiful things about them is if they love what they're doing, they absorb everything like sponges and we're able to develop engineers that have 10, 15 years experience in five years if that's what they want. And the cool thing is they're all comparing themselves to the IT industry. And that's one of the few industries where you're able to uh, dynamically change your career every two years, reinvent it and go as aggressively or passively as you want within an organization. That's kind of what we've mimicked our company around. Sure. Well, yeah, no, I, I love that. And so I would, I would be curious um, to know, you know, how you are purposefully branding 
um, RTM and associates now from a millennial perspective when, when trying to attract this next group of kids that are coming out of school, what, what for in your mind, what are you saying is the difference maker uh, and why, why people would want to come work at your firm versus going and working at say, say Stodge engineering, or we always use this name Stodge, right? Because we, we, we understand and know, you know, what a lot of engineering firms look like. And and there it's this old wineskin approach to engineering or architecture where, like you said, people have to put in their time and to pay their dues. And, you know, you're not even going to be considered to be a principal. Or, or a leader in the organization until you've put 20 years of blood, sweat, and tears into this organization. And this group thinks a lot differently. And so that's always going to be a challenge for firms to attract and, uh, and retain the best and brightest talent. So what, what are you guys doing specifically in that area um, to, to, to just keep the, the millennials on the hook, if you will, uh, and keep them coming back for more? We've looked outside of our industry for ideas and some of the specific things that we've done is when when we're recruiting new engineers, we're not necessarily looking at what their technical capabilities are and where they want to be in five years and so on. We want to see how passionate they are to actually develop their own careers. And one of the key things that we mentioned is the fact that we're a high growth firm. New opportunities are constantly developing within the organization, and the people that are going to be given those opportunities are not necessarily the most senior people or the most experienced people. They're the people that want to go out, take that risk, and see if they can accomplish that new goal. And we actually encourage failure because I'm a firm believer if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. And that gives a lot of confidence to the newer engineers that it's okay to go out and learn things and uh, experiment with certain things, not necessarily design, because when it comes to the core design, that still has to be done right because you have millions of dollars at risk. But when right. it comes to how you learn things, taking, um, you know, we take uh, uh, people on their first and second week, they might be out on two, three sites versus traditionally you might be doing event schedules for the first two years of your career. And then you're finally graduated to be allowed to go out on site. Um, we, we've set up internal forums and groups that are multi-office groups where, for instance, we have one that's called the sky group and it's really composed of young, ambitious engineers that want to learn from each other. And all these engineers in their first two years learn a tremendous amount of unique experiences, not technical necessarily only, but these unique experiences. Well, you put eight of them in a group together, buy them a case of beer, suddenly a lot of those experiences are all being shared with each other. And those bonds are being shared so that they know they have a counterpart they can go to, ask a stupid question without feeling stupid because they know they have the answer, but they only learned the answer six months ago. Right. Um, those types of bonds and building a um, an organization where the relationships at the core, at the client facing level, at the entry level engineers, even across offices, those relationships across offices and studios has been really core to our um, success with the millennials. OK. All right. Well, that, now that, now that's something um, that's interesting. So now recently and I'll just this, this kind of leads me to this next question that I have is that um, you guys recently merged with Lippy and Associates and, and you now have a presence in Texas. Uh, what has that experience been like for you? And, and you know, I, I'm just curious and you can talk a little bit about that overall process. It would be nice to have an understanding of it from your perspective. Absolutely. 
It's actually been a wonderful experience. Uh, David Lippi, the founder of the company, has built an organization that has an extremely similar culture to us. And mm-hmm. um, when you're going through mergers and acquisitions, it's it's like a new career in a sense. Um, the more you do, the easier it gets. This was our sixth transaction in four years. And um, luckily for David, that made it very easy on his side as well as on our side. And we've learned what to do and not to do. And some of the key components of what to do is to incorporate them into the RTM network, which is what you'll hear most CEOs talk about. But we're incorporating them into specific components of the RTM network that are nice counterparts for them versus walking in and saying that, um, you know, through this acquisition, you're going to absorb the RTM culture. You're going to do the, uh, you know, do everything the RTM way. We've learned yeah. that the best thing to do really is take the different cultures, the different methodologies done in different offices and figure out what's the best way to transact and share that knowledge. And what happens at the end of it is the entire company culture throughout all the offices um, evolves and changes. So it's not one office or one company um, instilling the culture on another it's very much the migration and development of something new. So it's been it's been a really exciting process, and um, got some really new great team members down in Dallas. We're excited to uh, continue to develop. Okay, well, and, and that's great. You 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 actually answered my follow up question too, which is just that whole delicate process of merging the cultures of two firms. And so, um, I I really appreciate that. What what um, now? How often are how much time are you now spending down in the in the Metroplex? in the DFW area? A decent amount of time. Um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer of the fact that you can't do a deal and walk away and wipe your hands and say, good, the transaction's done. The real work starts after the ink is dry. So um, myself, a few other principals, but more importantly, a lot of my associates and um, engineers have been spending uh, time down in Texas and vice versa, having some of our new team members from Texas come up to uh, either Chicagoland or Wisconsin or our Florida office and starting to figure out um, where are the opportunities to develop. Being a growth oriented firm, you know, we set an aggressive goal to grow in the Dallas market now. And you know, we've got the core team to be able to do it. We have to learn how to be able to leverage off of other uh, services and expertise that we may have in other offices. And one of the biggest challenges I would say in our organization is having too much work or too little work. And, you know, that's it's a statement that's been said for 100 years, but um, it's not an easy thing to fix because there's there's truly no way to be able to pre plan at the architectural engineering level to have just the right amount of backlog and uh, pipeline in place. So what we've learned, a great way to balance it out really is being able to share work between offices. And that creates this load balancing because each office is either too busy or too slow. Yeah. And having those personal relationships is the big difference than, you know, I would say 30 years ago, you could just pass on work to another group of engineers and they'll take care of it. Nowadays, you need to have a really strong relationship with um, the people that you're going to be working with out of the office. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, that certainly makes sense. So, so, so tell me a little bit about, um, your, how, how have you branded your talent acquisition process with this new change and and the, the, the merger and everything? Has that changed any with, in terms of how you go out and look for new people or, or, um, 
what can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I don't have a great talent acquisition strategy in place. It's really something that just kind of developed on its own organically. And what we found is the best way to find the best talent is to have the best talent we have in-house interviewing for future talent. Um, I found a lot of times that, you know, if you're trying to fill a particular seat with uh, credentials or a type of background and experience, you're probably going to be hiring the wrong person. Um, so we've, anyone that uh, comes to the company and is applying is going to go through somewhere between four and six interviews. We've even gone to the point where, you know, if it's a senior level person, we're going to have an outside um, industrial psychologist come in as a consultant and meet with the person and make sure that they really fit into the RTM culture because one bad apple can become a cancer in the company. And um, that's, that would be more detrimental than, I believe anything else that could really happen internally. Wow. So, okay. So the industrial psychologist, do you, are you guys doing any kind of disc assessment or um, personality testing or strength, strength finder yeah. with your people? Yeah, you are? we actually okay. are. Um, there's something called the culture index and yeah. um, we're using that uh, pretty extensively now, not just for bringing in new team members, but also figuring out with existing team members who would work the best with other team members internally yeah. in their offices, externally. And um, it's, that's, part of the tool. And then we have some proprietary in-house tools that we that we use to work with team members to be able to skew their days, the, the stuff they're working on, on a day-to-day basis, more in the direction of something that they love to do in comparison mm-hmm. to something that they really need to do, but may not be so passionate about. So, so tell me this, and, and I'm just curious, what, what's kind of like, if you would say that the, when you compare yourself to the what I would say average engineering firm out there, what would be one thing that, that really stands out head and shoulders above, you know, a normal firm in terms of what you kind of allow your people to do and the freedom and flexibility that you give your employees. It stands out. Do you allow dogs at work? Yeah. Um, um, do you have chili Thursdays, taco Tuesdays? I mean, what do you, yeah. what do you guys do that's different? Do you, it's, do you bring a chef in? I, I would <laughs> say that, you know, we've tried a lot of those uh, Google-like strategies to, you know, do uh, cocktails at three o'clock on Friday with, you know, the shrimp barbecue and so on. Um, I feel that they, they were effective for the very short term. What we've done mm-hmm. is we've really transferred that decision making and um the, the the fun part of the culture to the youngest levels of uh, team members that we have in the offices so instead of doing all of this for the team members we just set up a budget and we ask them to go out and do things that they would enjoy as a group put some basic criteria around it so you know over the summer uh we had three studios uh, representing two different offices, got together, combined their budgets, and they rented two or three uh, ski boats up in Wisconsin and spent the day up there barbecuing, going tubing and jet skiing and having a great time. Um, we have other ones that have uh, put uh, funds together internally mm-hmm. and gone on uh, bike rides, uh, you know, a whole day, 30, 40 mile bike ride. Um, a few years ago, we actually had a group that put, uh, you know, put their, uh, their funds together, internal corporate funds, and went down to Belize 
and spent four or three oh, wow. days, three or four days in Belize. And from a company's point of view, it was great because it was a tremendous amount of bonding. They really know how to interact with each other. It's like right. forwarding a relationship 10 years and they're having a great time doing it. So it's not something that we necessarily brag about that, you know, come here and you get to go on vacation, but there's a benefit to the company as well as to those interpersonal relationships and People are a little bit more excited about, you know, coming to work. So, you know, I, I walked into um, our Chicago office one day and I found a foosball table there. Right. One of the engineers decided it was a good idea to do. They went out and picked it up and um, made the bet that management would be happy with it. And we were very happy with it. Same. And then a couple of weeks later, I found a ping pong table in one of the other offices because I heard about the foosball table in the first office. This was all <laughs> done with, you know, everyone making these decisions, I would say, are, you know, less than 10, probably less than five years experienced in the industry. But they're empowered to to do these things because they can see the benefit versus the detriment to doing it. Yeah. Well, hey, that's it right there. I mean, I think you said it. Um, empowering your people to kind of step out of their comfort zone and do things that, you know, maybe they went, might not be able to do in some traditional organizations. And, and that allows things to happen organically that wouldn't normally happen. And so I think it, it, it starts at the top and you certainly are modeling that. And I, I certainly applaud you. And uh, I certainly like a lot of other people in the industry, especially in the consulting space, will 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 look forward to seeing, you know, what the next step is for for you guys uh, as you grow your organization, as you expand, as you uh, make more acquisitions in the future. I think it's going to be exciting. So now, you know, I want to I want to know a little bit about Tony Mershandani, the man. And and so we, we're doing this something new here on the TZL interview series. So we want to go deeper for our audience and um, got a couple of simple questions for you that we'll have some fun with at okay. the end of our interview and uh and uh, hopefully folks will get a kick out of this so tell tell me uh tony what was the last book that you read um i believe it was called deep survival and it was about uh people in dire straits where majority of the, they're on some kind of adventurous trip and mm-hmm. uh nature typically is taking a turn for the worst so uh, okay. how people come out of that just that interests me and the, the psyche okay. of uh, the behavior of people within stressful situations. Okay. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, I've always wondered if I could get out there and, you know, be, be stuck out there somewhere in, in remote Alaska with, with nothing but, um, you know, a Swiss army knife and a sleeping bag and something else for a week or two and see if I could actually survive. But that's, that's interesting. I, I, that's, uh, I'd be happy to be able to do it. If I could survive for two days, I'd be happy <laughs> for two days. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, speaking of, of uh, trips to remote places, where did you go on your last vacation? Last vacation was uh, South America. Uh, my wife and I actually planned, uh, it's been a long time. It's been years since we've done a trip this long because we have two little ones at home. Um, we mm-hmm. did a 10 day trip down to Argentina, uh, Uruguay and, um, Chile. And it was absolutely amazing. And, uh, just to be able to absorb the country's cultures down there and, um, the, the people, the food, it was life changing. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I hear it's really beautiful down there. So um, that sounds like it was a great adventure. Um, Now, uh, just for fun, if you could binge watch one TV series, old or new, what would it be? No, I hate to say it. It's not if, but I do this sometimes. Um, (laughs) This is the horrible thing about Netflix is you can do this. (laughs) It's definitely uh, the 
old series 24 where oh, yeah. it's uh, yeah. Keith or Sutherland and I, I can land up watching three, four, five episodes of that, even though oh, you know exactly God. what's going to happen. I can't turn it off. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. That was, I, um, I think I, when, when this was pre Netflix, when, when the DVD first came out on the whole, you had the whole package for the season. I think I, I was sick and I binge watched a whole season of 24 and it was, it's just nothing like being able to do it. I, I'm so frustrated right now. This, uh, this new Kiefer Sutherland show yeah. des- designated survivors is my, like my own, I've, I only commit to one show a season and that's my show. And I'm so sad that I can't, can't see what's happening next, you know, and now I've got to deal with this, this, this doggone cliffhanger until the next time they run out a new episode. So yep. that's Doing frustrating. Exactly the I, same thing. I'm thinking I should always watch shows two years in the rare. So I don't have to bother. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's totally, that's what I did. That's what I, that's what I have to do. So yeah, no, I appreciate that. Well, Tony, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us on the Zweig letter interview series. Uh, I know I personally really appreciate it. You shared some things I think today that, will be beneficial um, for, for not just for myself, but for others that are listening to this, that are growing their firms, that ultimately one day maybe want to grow a firm or maybe you're in a firm where they realize maybe I need to make some changes. Maybe I need to, you know, adopt some of these some of these things that other firms that are doing that are being successful because you guys at RTM really are setting the standard. And and I certainly applaud you and, and I appreciate you being in our ecosystem and the Zweig group ecosystem there. And, and I look forward to hopefully hanging out with you in Seattle because I'm sure you guys will be a best firm to work for in a hot firm in 2017. And, you know, we only got a couple of days left in this year. So it's going to be exciting to see what happens. So thank you so much for, uh, for being a part uh, of, of what we're doing here at Zweig and, and certainly hope you and hope you and yours, uh, because this is the holiday season when we're recording this, have a great holiday um, with your family. Um, as a reminder, all Zweig group media programs like this one are available in both podcast and in most cases, video format free for download on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube, just to name a few places. We'd like to thank you for watching this in video or listening to the podcast by offering you a free copy of the Zweig letter. That's right. It's free. Just visit free tzl.zweiggroup.com. A link to all of this information will be in our show notes as well as contact information for Tony should you want to reach out to him and thank him for such a great interview. And we'd love it if you'd share this link with a friend. I'm Randy Wilburn, and you've been listening to Zweig Group Media, part of Zweig Group. Remember, we exist to make you more successful. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to this special edition Zweig Letter podcast. We hope that you can apply Mark's no-holds-barred advice to your daily professional life. For a free six-week subscription of the Zweig Letter, please visit freetzl.zweiggroup.com to gain more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today. Subscribe today.